4: Yeah, let's welcome to the world of Mr. Black. And as John said, uh, it's time to roll up our sleeves. We got some, we got some fighting to do. Uh, today on Like It Matters Radio, radio that's inspirational, educational, applicational, where we help you live your life like it matters. Because what other choice is there, right? We all have a life to live, and if we're going to live it, we might as well live it like it matters. And today we're going to talk about the crisis. No, not the pandemic. No, COVID 19 or COVID 21 or COVID 22 or COVID 23, whichever one it's going to be next. Yeah. Yeah, it's deeply, deeply, deeply. We're not going to talk about those crises. We're not going to be talking about your economic crisis that you might be having or your uh, weight crisis you might be having. What we're going to talk about is the crisis about who we are. You know, there's an existential crisis going on in this country, and people don't realize that's what's happening. And People wondering why it's so confusing, why our families are so struggling right now, why so much is going on. And I'm going to suggest it's because the way we're made. See, I see this all the time. We are a machine. Remember, man is a three-part being you've got to get this. The reason I say it over and over and over because there's power in repetition. Repetition of message. How do you think we create habits? And by the way, habit doesn't need to be a bad thing. It could be a good thing. It's saying and doing the same things over and over and over the same way at the same time for the same reason. The same. Those are patterns. Those are habits. And those can be good ones. They don't have to be negative. But we are a three-part being. Remember, we function on a physical plane. We have a body, right? My body is not me. If you want to see me, you've got to look in my eyes because the eyes are the window of the soul. But my body is my tent. It's my tabernacle. It's my vehicle. It's how I get from point A to point B uh, on this twisted little spinning planet. And so just like plants, uh, you know, a plant needs to be watered. A plant needs to have sunlight. A plant needs to get its roots in the ground, right? There's a system there. And just like the plant, the, the human body is a system. If you don't feed it, if you don't get a regular amount of sleep, if you don't put the prop, uh, pr- uh, proper nutrients in it for it to heal itself, if you don't build up its immune system, right? It's a machine, just like a car. You got to put oil in it. You got to put water in it. You got to put fuel in it. You got to change the filters. Very similar. And then we have the mental, the mind. Like an animal. Animals live on the physical plane like plants, but they also now can communicate. They can process mentally. They can make choices, and they can be conditioned just like human beings. And the battle is in the mind because the mind runs the body, right? The mind is the the, uh, machinery, if you will, that runs the machine called the body. It's the programming part. And the battles in the mind, whether you talk about Romans twelve two, uh, the Bible tells us all the time to focus on the proper things. But the third part is the spiritual part. And the spiritual part is what separates us from animals. It separates us from plants. It distinguishes us from every other creature out there. And so we must deal with all three. And today, as we cover the topic, Crisis, I Am... I want to ask you a simple question. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? See, that is the the number one existential question. Because everything else will stem from that with the exception of one question, which is whose are you? Absent the question whose are you, nothing can be more important than knowing who you are. And I'm going to suggest that in America, in our families, in our psyches, we are having an existential crisis. Amen. You know, I like to I like to know strange facts. And, you know, we blink all the time. I don't know if you know this or not, but 10% of your waking life is spent with your eyes shut. I got this from uh, the Trivia Genius, okay? 10% of our, our waking life is spent with our eyes shut. That sounds odd, but the average person blinks about 12 times per minute, 10,000 times per day, and 4 to 4.2 million times per year. That's a lot of blinking. So if 10% of your life is spent blinking and 30% is spent asleep, think about this. Put this on. 40% of your entire life, you spend it with your eyes closed. Wow. Think about that. Yeah, that's that's stunning. Forty percent of your time on this planet, you have your eyes closed. Now, fold that over. The concept that we only use a small percent of our brain consciously. Now, someone could debate the three to five percent figure. You know, I don't get wrapped up in all those little details. I get wrapped up in the bigger picture. The bigger picture is we are unconscious most of our experience, whether it's 95 to 97% of our brain is unconscious or it's 82% or 75%. You can argue all the details. It's called distraction. It's called deflection. But the point is this. We are unconscious creatures. A majority of our experience on this planet uh, function is going on at the unconscious level. We're not consciously aware. And then you add that 40% of our life, uh, our eyes are closed. Look at how much we're missing. So much. And by the way, do you know why we blink our eyes? See, this is why I'm talking about we're a machine. We don't just blink our eyes because. The body doesn't function on the because philosophy, C-U-Z-Z. No, there's a reason for everything. So first of all, we blink to lubricate our eyes, Right stay up late watching TV, you're looking at a screen for a long time, your eyes get tired, you lubricate your eyes, and lubrication is constantly being produced, and when we blink our eyes, it releases it. So that's one reason. Number two, to clean our eyes. If we're lubricating our eyes, right, we're going to clean our eyes. Have you ever got a little speck in your eye, a little eyelash hair? It is the most annoying thing. It's this little bitty thing, but it makes me feel like I'm going blind. I can't open my eye. It blinks. It feels like I got a huge old boulder in there. I want to go all Sam Kinison on you, ah, right? Because it's a little bitty speck. I think that's uh, irony is. It's what God talks about. It's wrapped up uh, in, in the speck in your brother's eye when you got a plank in your own. That's what he's talking about that little bitty thing that causes so much irritation and yet a lot of us were such hypocrites we got a plank coming out of our eyes ouch by the way another reason we blink protect against perceived dangers we close our eyes to actually block something from hitting it and then the last one is we take a mental break we take a mental break we actually reprocess and so that's study going on right now branch uh, the interesting part of the study there's a study that showed that we blink much more frequently uh, than we need just to clean or lubricate our eyes this led them to believe that there's yet another reason and what they found out with an eye is they found that people blink perceived breakpoints in a movie it might be a camera change and when reading a magazine blinking usually occurred at sentence breaks so there's lots of reasons for this. But let me tell you why I bring this up. There's a difference between a blink and a twinkling. the Bible says in the twinkling of an eye, everything's going to change. And a twinkling is so much faster than a blink. You see how fast? Think about this. A twink is reflected particle of light seen in the eye and travels at the speed of light. Ready for this? 983,571,56 983,571,56 feet per second. Wow! That's a twinkling of an eye. And I don't know about you, but something's going on in this country. It seems like it's happening in a twinkling of an eye. It's happened pretty quick. Something's different. Something's going on. There's struggles. Something's not right. Something feels weird. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you what it is. It's the fact that we don't know who we are. And today on Like It Matters Radio, we're talking about the current crisis and the crisis of I am. We'll be right back. Who am I? I don't know. Take my fist and put my initials on your brain. This is Scott Black of Like It Matters. As many of you know, I have been helping people to be the best they were created to be. cool voiceover zany sound effect
0: okay we were going to write a flashy promo about streaming us on radio.com but considering how easy it is to do we'll just keep it simple too listen to freedom 1570 on the radio.com app
3: are you the principal or leader of a christian or catholic school would you like to fill the empty seats in your classrooms for no cash out of pocket TwinCitiesTuitions.com would like to team up with you on our tuition program for first year students You'll be part of a marketing campaign to raise awareness about your school and gain new students for next year and beyond. Again, at no cash investment for your school. Get details by logging on to TwinCitiesTuitions.com. That's TwinCitiesTuitions.com.
0: Wake up with the Freedom 1570 Daybreak Insider. Today's top news stories from a conservative viewpoint in a detailed yet concise manner. Sign up at freedom1570.com. Just
3: use the keyword subscribe. Take a listen to this comparison of other training to leadership awakening.
5: For probably two-thirds of my
4: I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. Some people never learn. Amen. I am Black, and you are back to Like It Matters Radio, living life like it matters. And ladies and gentlemen, who are you? Who are you? That is one of the most key questions to anything in life, knowing who we are. You know, when Jesus walked this planet, Uh, He's famous for the seven I am statements, right? I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. He said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I am the resurrection of life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. But the, lest us not forget, there's an eighth great I am. It's the one where they wanted to stone him for. And Jesus said in John eight fifty eight, "Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am." For those that said Jesus Christ never claim to state his divinity, uh, that statement right there approves all that wrong. Because when Moses asked the burning bush, remember he turned and he saw a bush that was being burned that wasn't being consumed? And all of a sudden it started talking to him. And he said, you're going to set my people free. And Moses asked a simple question. Well, who shall I tell them sent me? And he said, tell them, I am. And that's so powerful. Because as living, breathing human beings, we need to know the answer to that question. Who am I? It's existential. And we used to live in a country where we used to understand that. Man, I've been doing leadership training for 30 years. And up until really the last about 10 of it, it's been getting people excited and and getting goal getting and goal setting and doing all this stuff. See, I think of, when I think of a good president, John and I talk about this, I think of a Ronald Reagan. Why? Because Ronald Reagan led with hope. You know, I still remember the the shining city on a hill. You know, Ronald Reagan, his 1988 State of the Union address, you know, he gave such a, a great picture. That is what America is. A shining city on a hill, bringing light to people, bringing hope to people bringing warmth to people, bringing sustenance to people, bringing supply to people. You know, 90% of all missionary work around the world for a while, I don't know if it's still this way, was funded by America. So we know who we are. And John will probably play that audio in either some of the comings or going. I so just said, I got that audio. It's such a beautiful, I mean, Ronald Reagan would give me chills because he inspired me. He made me think beyond myself. This is a man. He made me understand the word of conduit. Yeah, we were just pass-through agents. That we were like Israel, blessed to be a blessing to others. And what's happened? What's happened? A little bit here, a little bit there. We can call it boiling frogs. We can call it slippage. One of my favorite quotes when uh, when I used to do stuff on Ronald Reagan was by John Shar. Because I think it was a quote that Reagan shared. He said, the future is not some place we are going to, but one we are creating. The paths are not to be found, but made. And the activity of making them changes both the maker and the destination. And, And I'm calling a clarion call right now. Wake up. Unless we awaken the awoke, we're in big trouble. The time is now. The future is in our midst and it's illuminated through our thoughts, our actions in the present. In her outstanding poem, you know Emily Dickinson, right? Great poet. Remember, we used to actually have to read about American poets. Now we just cancel them. Think about what the left is doing, destroying our his, history, our past. Banning Dr. Seuss, banning all this stuff because it makes people feel uncomfortable because it it shows the imperfection that is human, the imperfection that is man, the imperfection yeah, that is America. But in her poem, Emily Dickinson identified the cause of failure. She says crumbling is not an instance act, a fundamental pause. Dilapidation's processes are organized decays. Tis first a cobweb on the sole, a cuticle of dust, a bore in the axis, an elemental rust, ruin is formal, devil's work, consecutive and slow, fail in an instant no man did, slipping is crush's law. You see, failure like success is a series of events. It's a pattern. That's what you got to get. It is a pattern. There are patterns all around us. That's what the titler cycle is about, that all democracies last about 200 years, and they go through a cycle. It's a cycle of the human condition. It's a cycle of of when we don't have anything, we fight for everything, and then we have everything, we fight for nothing. Ooh, that's real good, John. We should write that down. (laughs) That's really good. That's exactly what it is. Exactly. See, failure, like success, is a series of events. Some are seen and some are unseen. Just like the process of getting sick. I've been sick for the last couple days. Some things are happening in the process before we realize the process has taken place. See, if we knew what we don't know, if we knew, right, then we could do something about it. The problem is most people don't know. And when you don't know what you don't know, there's nothing you can do about it. That's why you gotta bring things from unconscious competence to conscious competence. See if you think about this, and I where did I get this article? I forgot where I got this from. It's um from Dr. Rothenberg. It's Marishi Aruveda, and it's a it's a product. It's a it's a health product. But I was reading this article and it said disease, just like success and failure, develops. It's usually a process. There's a field of study called pathogenesis. And it's the study of how disease develops. Dr. Rothenberg, who worked with the company Aryurveda, says that disease has six distinct stages in the development uh, accumulation, provocation, spreading, uh, deposition, manifestation of disease, and then complications. According to Dr. Rothenberg, he says, in the first two of the six stages, there are no symptoms. So you're sick, but there are no symptoms. In the third stage, there may be vague, nonspecific systems, such as fatigue and general malaise, which become more pronounced in the fourth stage. Only in the fifth stage do symptoms manifest that are specific to a particular disease. That's what Emily Dickinson was talking about. Slippage is a fundamental element of Crash's Law. Crash's Law describes a gradual process of crumbling, rusting, failure, it is boiling frogs. We talk about this all the time. If you put a, log, a live frog in a pot of boiling water, that creature's going to jump out. But if you put a live frog in a lukewarm pot of water and you slowly bring it to a boil, I've been told you might want to have garlic butter ready. And it seems like we've become boiling frogs. And a lot of people, uh, you know, identify themselves as Americans. The first and foremost way, I, for a long time, I identified myself first and foremost as an American. I don't anymore. I identify first and foremost as a child of God, as a Christian. Secondly, as an American. But I want you to know, America's changed. We used to believe in so much freedom of, of speech. There's no freedom of speech. Go on Facebook and post something uh, that state-run media doesn't want you to say about the Biden administration. You're banned. You're blocked. You're censored. We used to have free and fair elections. And let's be honest, we know now that there was fraud. And if you even bring up fraud, you're banned, you're attacked, uh, you're called a nut job. We used to believe that you didn't persecute political prisoners or political uh, opponents. Look what they're doing to Trump. They're not going to stop until they get him or someone with the last name Trump in prison. They are working hard for four years, hundreds of millions of dollars, and they're still going nonstop. How many of us could handle the full force of the U.S. government hitting us nonstop for five years and still be standing? And some of you don't get it just because you don't like Trump. And we, we've lost all this stuff. That's why I got this piece on JP. He's, a, he's an internet comedian, and he makes fun of how far America's crumbled and stumbled. We're just like Russia and China. Why don't you play that JP piece?
6: Can I help you? Oh, Hi. I'm with the Biden administration. Do you have a minute for me to tell you about the non-FDA approved injection we desperately want you to get?
2: Why the hell are you knocking on my door?
6: I'll take that as a yes. We've been reviewing your medical records and it appears as though you haven't gotten the... That's illegal. Indeed. And what they show is you haven't gotten the shot yet. So I'm here on your private property to pressure you into doing so.
2: Letting politicians decide what medicines I take is insane. You're not doctors. You're not even qualified.
6: We're politicians. We like power. And we feel that qualifies us to do whatever we want.
2: It absolutely doesn't. What I put in my body is my choice, and I'll consult my doctor over that because he knows me personally. Because it's a medical issue.
6: No, ma'am. This is more of a political issue. You can trust us.
2: You're part of the government, and you work for me. And you being here is complete infringement on my rights. You need to read the Constitution.
6: At the Biden administration, we don't believe in the Constitution. It's not really how we want to govern. So you need this shot.
2: The fact that you really want me to get this thing makes you look really, really suspicious.
6: Thank you. You don't even know the half of it.
2: And the more you push this thing, the more I doubt the safety.
6: Oh, no. When you look at this spreadsheet with our profit margins, you'll see that what we're working with here is totally safe for business. And the long-term clinical trials of an hour and a half are squeaky clean. You have nothing to worry about.
2: It seems like you just want control.
6: For your protection, yes. Thank you for seeing. We're just looking out for your best interest with our propaganda campaign, censorship, and now me being here knocking on your door. You're welcome for all that we've been doing.
2: Are people dumb enough to believe that?
6: Some are. Now, I would really like to stab you with this needle and inject what's in it that you have no control over into your body. Absolutely not. I kind of just want to do it anyway. My body, my choice, you creep. That's not the way we see it. At the Biden administration, we look at it as your body, our choice. It's kind of a Bill Cosby-inspired mentality we've adopted.
2: Get off my property now. Get the f*** off my property
6: no i don't understand are you saying you don't want the shot that you've chosen not to get <gasps> wait while i'm here do you mind if i confiscate all your guns
2: go ahead and try
4: oh sorry what is going on in this crazy country today on like it matters radio we're talking about the crisis of who are we i am and we'll be right back silence
5: we are all in the construction business constructing memories relationships new ideas and a legacy that will outlive us And don't forget the daily radio show, Like It Matters, at 11 a.m. on Freedom 1570. Nice job. That's it for today. Wrap it up. Contact Mr. Black at Black at likeitmatters.net. Building a better you today. Likeitmatters.net. Helping people live their lives like they matter. That's Black at likeitmatters.net. Discover the tools to build your relationships, your vision, and your
7: life. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous.
3: Who are you? I don't know. I
6: don't know. Well, that and a nickel get your hot cup a jack
4: squat. <laughs> uh, in a van by the river, I am Mr. Black. And today, you're under construction on the Like It Matters radio network. And I'm talking about the crisis in America, the crisis in our homes. The crisis in our communities, our cities, the crisis in our head and our heart. And the crisis is I am question mark because we don't know who we are. And a lot of people identify first and foremost as an American. The top of the list, their the, the number one self-identifier is as an American and America is confused on who we are. We were this great democracy for two hundred plus years, uh, and now we're we're, we're self sabotaging. We're destroying ourselves. We're uh, the the enemy is dividing us and and attack having us attack each other. I mean, we used to stand for freedom of press, freedom of thought, freedom of speech. Uh, you didn't uh, uh, persecute or prosecute your political opponents. You didn't spy on your own people. And now the Biden administration wants you to know that the biggest threat to America is not the communists, it's not the Chinese, it's not the Russians, it's not a nuclear attack from Iran, it's not a cyber war attacks on our computers from Russia. It's none of that. It's not from global warming. Isn't that amazing? Global warming finally got off the number one threat list to America. Do you know now what the number one threat to America is? How the founding you? members of America. The founding members of America. I mean, how is this country founded? White evangelicals, right? White evangelicals are the founding members. They left England. They wanted religious freedom to worship the God of the Bible. And so now the founders of this country, white evangelicals, are now the biggest threat to the Biden administration. The Biden administration is spying on, is categorizing pastors, people who preach the Bible because it's called hate speech now. This Talk about an existential crisis. We used to have free and fair elections. And now, and by the way, on this whole white evangelical thing, I got to call out some of my my brothers and sisters whose skin is black and dark brown. Why? Why are only white evangelicals a threat to this, uh, what the devil's doing in this country? Why are not black evangelicals a threat? And, And part of it has to believe that they've convinced a lot of black people that what they're doing is right. The problem is the Bible, people. The Bible says clearly. That we are to uh, love God. And if you love the Father, it says this world is going to hate you. He says, Love of the Father is enmity with the world. Enmi- en- love of the world is enmity with the Father. That means if you choose one, you're at war with the other. And boy, that scares me, my, some of my brothers and sisters whose skin is darker. Why does the country think that you're okay with everything going on? Speaking of that, this is the last election. What happened in Georgia? What happened in uh, uh, Pennsylvania? What happened in Arizona? And they're doing everything they can to stop it. I think we have a clip from Tucker. Why don't you play a clip from Tucker Carlson?
1: On a Saturday night in late May of this year, an alarm sounded in a big, nondescript warehouse in Fulton County, Georgia. The warehouse was an unlikely place for a burglary. It was under round-the-clock surveillance by both private security and local law enforcement, including armed deputies with the Fulton County Sheriff's Office. Any unauthorized person entering from the outside would have to get past a locked 100-pound steel door, as well as a maze of motion detectors. Not easy. But someone tried to do it anyway, and at just the perfect moment, 20 minutes after the deputies in charge of guarding the warehouse left their posts. By the time those deputies returned to check out the alarm, someone had opened the 100-pound door to the warehouse. So what happened that night and why? We still don't know. It's also not clear why the deputies left the warehouse or who took advantage of their absence. We do know that a lot of people might have had reason to try to get inside the warehouse. Depending on who you ask, the building contains evidence that either confirms or refutes the claim that voter fraud affected the outcome of the 2020 election in the state of Georgia. Georgia is a place that Joe Biden won by fewer than 13,000 votes. That warehouse holds more than 140,000 absentee
4: ballots. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. If we even bring up voter fraud, we're banned. We're attacked. We're ridiculed. We're putting Facebook gel or Twitter gel. Who knows what the IRS is doing to us? I just got hit with an audit letter from the IRS. I was harassed by Lois Lerner's IRS when, when Obama was in office. Cost me my old company, cost me my home. And now within six months of Joe Biden being in office, I get hit with an audit. From 2019, interesting how it just seems to pick up right where uh, Obama left off. The same group of people, the same harassment. And why this matters is because without free and fair elections, there is no America. It's an existential crisis. Democracy, republic, all that's based on the will of the people. If you cannot guarantee the will of the people then what do you got? Of course Donald Trump's not gonna become president again. Even if you prove all the fraud that we believe is there, it's not going backwards. Joe Biden's not gonna stop becoming president, let's be honest. But there is an existential crisis. Why don't you play that second clip from from Tucker, please? So here's what we know tonight, factually. At least 36 batches of mail-in
1: ballots from the November election were double counted in Fulton County. That's a total of more than 4,000 votes. Those numbers come from a group called Voter GA, which, along with Bob Cheely, sued to get them. The final tally from the double counts we know about amounts to more than 3,300 votes for Joe Biden and 865 votes for Donald Trump. Now, before you dismiss Bob and Voter GA as dishonest partisan actors, keep in mind that the strongly left-of-center Atlanta Journal-Constitution appears to agree with this, at least in Outline. THE NEWSPAPER REVIEWED THE AVAILABLE DIGITAL BALLOT IMAGES INDEPENDENTLY AND CONCLUDED THAT HUNDREDS OF BALLOTS WERE IMPROPERLY DUPLICATED. WHAT DOES THAT LOOK LIKE EXACTLY? WELL, HERE'S WHAT IT LOOKS LIKE. AT A PRESS CONFERENCE YESTERDAY, A CONSULTANT WITH VOTER GA CALLED DAVID CROSS SHOWED HOW WE CAN BE CERTAIN THAT VOTES IN FULTON COUNTY WERE COUNTED MORE THAN ONCE. WATCH.
4: THIS IS TECHNICAL. WHAT I'M going to show you HERE
6: IS TWO BALLOTS SIDE BY SIDE. One of them is marked for Jason Shaw and it's got a little squiggle mark next to it. You can see it's got the identical mark on the second one. And the ballot image is stored up here on the top left. So this one over here is scanner 5162, that's scanner number 3, fax number 235, image number 19. And that matches 234, image 59. So you have the same ballot counted twice in the images and counted in the audit. How that's possible, I don't know.
1: How's that possible? I don't know. Every American should want to know because the answer gets to the heart of the integrity of our elections, otherwise known as our democracy. We're not talking about a couple of ballots here. We're talking about a lot of ballots, at least Hundreds of ballots involved, enough potentially to affect the outcome of the election.
4: See, this is why we're having an existential crisis. If we don't know who we are as a country anymore, we don't know who we are as individuals, we don't know who we are as Christians, we don't know who we are, uh, we don't even know our own sex. At six years old, we're allowed to change our sex because God is so screwed up, he couldn't get our sex right. What You see what's happening? This is the boiling frogs. See, the word existential combines the two words, existence and essence, existential. The etymological background tells us what an existential question is. It's a question concerning the essence of what it means to be alive. In other words, what is the meaning of life for America? Why was America created? Why were you created? Why do you get up each day, do what you do, go home at night, get up the next day, and do it again and again and again? And at this point in our world, because of all the moral ambiguity, a world of gray areas instead of moral black and whites, good versus evil, which has always been the case. And now we're not sure who's good and who's evil. Now America's evil. Now all white people are evil. That's why critical race theory is stupid. It's racist. It's bigoted. It's hateful. If you know how the unconscious mind works with the reticular activating system in uh, the basal ganglia, you are conditioning people to focus on race. You are making people racist. And so don't tell me uh, it's just a theory. Don't tell me it's just a, a way to think outside this. No, it's making all white people, a six-month baby, a three-month baby, read the stuff. It is making them evil. Most of us don't walk around every day asking them the questions, why am I here, what's my purpose? We go around our day simply existing. But for nearly everyone, there will be times in our lives when the surface meaning is stripped away, usually by some tragedy, some separation from the, those we love in daily routines, and by confronting the, the destroyer or a country falling apart. Ladies and gentlemen, if you define yourself as an athlete, and therefore you lost your ability to play sports, an existential crisis. If you define yourself as a soldier fighting a war for what you were led to believe is, is good, and then you find out the opposite of that, that's bad, or you find out you can no longer fight, you're in an existential crisis. May I suggest that as Christians we're in existential crisis? As leaders, we're in an existential crisis. As Americans, we're in an existential crisis. So what do we do? We go back and we answer the question, who am I? In this last segment, we're going to address that question, who are you? I am black. We'll be right back.
8: Carl Sandburg said, I see America not in the setting sun of a black night of despair. I see America in the crimson light of a rising sun, fresh from the burning cream. Tune in each Saturday afternoon from 4 to 5 p.m. right here on Freedom 1570 for Garden Talk Radio. It's the Gardening with Joey and Holly radio show. Topic-focused, guests from across the country, and answering your garden questions. Send your questions in now to GardenTalkRadio at gmail.com or call anytime to 1-800-927-SHOW. That's every Saturday afternoon from 4 to 5 p.m. right here on Freedom 1570. Catch the replay Sunday afternoons from 2 to 3 p.m.
0: You listen every day. I never miss it. So now it's time for you to join the conversation. Who, me? Like Freedom 1570 on Facebook and share your thoughts with like-minded conservatives. You can also enter to win prizes, learn about upcoming events, and more.
3: That's like it matters.net.
8: Carl Sandburg said, I see America not in the setting sun of a black night of despair. I see America in the crimson light of a rising sun, fresh from the burning creative hand of God. I see great days ahead for men and women of will and vision. I've never felt more strongly that America's best days and democracy's best days lie ahead. We're a powerful force for good. With faith and courage, we can perform great deeds and take freedom's next step, and we will. We will carry on the tradition of a good and worthy people who have brought light where there was darkness, warmth where there was cold, medicine where there was disease, food where there was hunger, and peace where there was only bloodshed. Let us be sure that those who come after will say of us in our time that in our time we did everything that could be done. We finished the race. We kept them free. We kept the faith. Thank you very much. God bless you, and
4: God bless America. Amen. Amen. That is it. You know, amen means I'm in agreement. See, that's how I grew up. I was born in 1965. I became uh, 18 in 1983, right? I was in the Army in August, uh, and I turned 18 in October. So I was already uh, on my OJT, out of boot camp. And that's the existential belief system I grew up with, that America was unique, America was special. But, you know, we talk all the time about the logical levels. The logical levels... uh, uh, From a psychological point of view, there seems to be six levels that human beings work with most often. The basic level is our environment, our external constraints. Then we operate on the environment through our behavior. Our behavior is guided by our mental maps and our strategies, which define our capabilities. These capabilities are organized by belief systems and values. These beliefs are organized by our identity. And your identity derives its essential meaning from spirit. Why are you here? And the notion of logical levels refers to the fact that some processes and phenomena are created by the relationships between other processes and phenomena. Any system of activity is a subsystem embedded inside another system. I just want you logically understand this which is embedded inside of another system. You know, the, the what is it, Kachinka dolls, whatever, those Russian dolls where there's a smaller one instead of a smaller one, inside of a smaller one. That's what we're talking about. And this kind of relationship, what is it? Babushka. I'm sorry, John, I, I missed you. What, Babushka? (laughs) The little dolls. When I went to Russia, black lacquer box caviar, remember that? Black lacquer box caviar. I'll take the little boxes there. I'll take those, right? The kind of relationship between systems produces different levels of processes relative to the system in which one is operating. So you have, for the longest time, in the logical levels, which is done by Dr. Robert Diltz. Uh, I think it's slide of of Mouth is the book where he um, introduces this. But for the longest time, there was just five levels. Environment, behavior, capabilities, beliefs, and identity. But here's the problem. You can never solve a problem at the same level it was created at. Remember Einstein said that. You can never solve a problem at the same level it was created at. And see, in the logical levels, change takes place from the top down, not from the bottom up. And the things on the bottom, it's a lot easier to change than the things on the top. So it's a lot easier to change your environment than your identity. It's a lot easier to change your behavior than your beliefs. You see what I'm saying? The ones on the bottom are easier to change. The ones on the top are harder to change. Change does not take place from the bottom up. You can take an alcoholic out of a bar, they're still an alcoholic. But if an alcoholic all of a sudden understands that they're an alcoholic at their identity level and that for the rest of their life they will have to refrain from alcohol, now the beginning process of change has taken place. But here's the problem. If the top level was identity, then if you have a problem with your identity, where do you go? See, there was never a level above identity until about 20, 30 years ago, where they added the level of spirit. Now, to NLP, uh, these are a lot of leftists. These are a lot of uh, progressives. And so NLP is all about quantifying. How do you know? And you cannot put God in a box. You can't quantify God. And so a lot of people who are deep in the NLP are atheists, agnostics. They don't believe in God because they can't quantify God. So for them, when they added spirit, that could be your largest, bigger connection to the universe or, or your, your connection to the bigger energy. I don't know what people call it if you don't believe in God. I have no concept how people can live this world and not believe in God, but there are many that do. And so why does this matter? Because the top level of the logical levels is spirit, is why are you here, and I'm going to tell you right now, church, part of the problem in America is on us, I was reading this article, I did not know all the details, but I guess there's a Major League Baseball player called Ben Zobrist, well, I guess he was, uh, he's won two World Series, Uh, I guess he was a Zobrist who retired from 14-season Major League Baseball career in 2020, He has two rings. I think it was a Chicago Cub, a Silberus two-time World Series winner. That's right. And here's the reason I'm bringing it up. So this guy is married to a Christian artist. So she's a singer. Again, I don't know any of the details. And so they're having marital problems. And so they start seeing a pastor. Uh, Pastor Yarn is his name. And so it sounds good, right? Well, here's the problem. Pastor Yawn is sleeping with his wife. So, let me get this now. What? So, here's a guy in a church. Yeah, they're donating lots of money. Uh, the pastor is using the f- uh, the fame of this baseball player. Uh, his wife throws a retirement party for him, spends $30,000 on a retirement party for a pastor. And all of a sudden, the guy thinks something weird's going on here and finds out. His pastor's having a sexual relationship with a woman that is his wife that he's supposed to be counseling under the auspices of God. Now, the sad part is I could give you 50 stories similar to that. And the church has become so, so um, just worthless. We have sold out. We have become so much like the world that we can't. Tell the difference. I mean, I had a guy join me, uh, Rusty Noakes, uh, on uh, the pornography addiction. And basically, what had happened was the church and the world are are no different. You got people in the church pushing uh, CRT, you got people in the church uh, preaching white privilege, you got people in the church talking about black people being victims. And it's just stunning because if you're a child of God, it's impossible to be a victim. And so we look at all this, and why does all this matter? Because of logotherapy. Remember, one thing we do on this radio show is we tie in all the sciences. You know, my background in neurolinguistic programming, but I teach transactional analysis. I teach multiple intelligences, logotherapy, canine, emotional intelligence, all these sciences. And then I'm a leadership trainer, and then I take the physiological, the biological, the theological, and we tie them all together. We put them all together. So logotherapy. Let's go etymological on this. It takes two words, right? Logo and therapy. Logos is a Greek word that translates to meaning. And therapy, you know what that is, right? Fixing something, uh, a condition. So logotherapy, Dr. Viktor Frankl's work, is the pursuit of meaning for one's life. And the cool thing is Dr. Frankl learned the basics of logotherapy in an Auschwitz cell. While the Nazis still ran it. He saw his pregnant wife killed. He saw mom and dad killed. He saw tens of thousands slaughtered, starved to death, treated like animals. And Viktor Frankl's logotherapy is based on the premise that the human person is motivated by a will to meaning. An inner pull to find a meaning to life. See, life has meaning under all circumstances, even in the most miserable ones. And our main motivation for living is our will to find meaning in life. And God gave us freedom and will. And we have freedom to find meaning in what we do and what we experience, or at least in the stand we take when faced with a situation of unchangeable suffering. And you got to understand that what's lacking, why do you get up each day with coronavirus, with everything going on with the economy, with America no longer a Christian nation, where America actually targeting white evangelicals as the greatest threat to this country, the founding members of this country are now the greatest threat to this country. People, we need to wake up. And we need to wake up because I believe, eschologically, that the time has come where God's wrapping this up. And so there's a thousand years plus whatever time's left before uh, before the Great Tribulation. I'm not talking about the end of the world. But God's stirring things up. And people need to re-identify. If you're a Christian, you need to figure out what does that mean. If you're an American, you got to figure out what does that mean. If you're a husband, you got to figure out what does that mean. If you're a wife, you got to figure out what does that mean. You need to go to something that can help you figure out who you are and why you're here so these last days you can truly make it matter. Check out likeitmatters.net. We can help. You're under construction on the Like It Matters radio network. I'm Mr. Black, helping you become more hopeful about your future, reminding you, when you live your life like it matters, it does.
8: Could it be saying?
4: I don't know. Some people never
8: learn.
3: Want to enroll your child in Christian school this fall for half the cost? TwinCitiesTuitions.com is joined with area private schools to offer half-off tuition for your child's first year. At TwinCitiestuitions.com, you'll see our partnering schools, an interactive map to find one in your area, and frequently asked questions about the program. Now more than ever, it's important for your child to have a biblical worldview. Get details about the Half Off Christian Tuition Program at TwinCitiesTuitions.com. That's TwinCitiesTuitions.com. Do
6: you have sunken concrete around your home, leaving you with trip hazards or causing water to run back to your foundation? Hi, I'm John Lamore, owner of Expert Concrete Raising. We raise settled concrete using a high-density polyurethane foam, which is a more permanent solution than mudjacking. Polyurethane foam cannot be washed away, and it doesn't shrink or deteriorate over time. If it's concrete, we can raise it. Get it done right the first time. For a free estimate, contact a second-generation concrete raising business at ExpertConcreteRaising.com